This is a Founding Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Great Society podcast. I'm your host, Constance Dykusen. I'm here today with one of my um, oldest friends on the pod, or we've been friends for the longest time on the pod, um, Julie Shannon. She's the deputy director of Girl Start here in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Constance. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good. Um, so when I was 18, I was um, at UT. I just moved in and I wanted to kind of change the world. I was looking to get my hands and all kinds of things. And right across the street from where I lived was this little tiny, was it pink? House? Yes. Yes, it Bright was. Bright pink house on <laughs> campus. And um, I saw that it said Girl Start and I thought that maybe it would be welcoming to me. And so I walk in the door, march into your office and say that I would like to volunteer. Yeah. You walk in the door, sit on my couch. <laughs> Um, and you were like, what's this? What are you doing? I want your job someday. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Um, but my question for you, my first question is, am I the best volunteer you've ever had? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, of course you are. Um, now, what, you know what I loved about that day was that you were curious, mm -hmm. which is something that we teach at Girl Start, is to be brave, creative, and curious. And you encompass all three of those <laughs> things. Mm -hmm. You were brave. You walked into a space. You didn't know anyone. You didn't know what was going on, but it said girl, and it probably you thought it was probably empowering for girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were curious about not only what Girl Start does, but my job. You were already thinking about that. And then creative, obviously. Everything mm -hmm. you do is creative. But um, So thank you for coming and yeah. being brave enough to sit in my office and basically just say, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Those are great volunteers. When a volunteer walks in and wants us to do what they want to do, it's mm -hmm. harder to make a space for them. But when a volunteer is really open to whatever it is that we need help with, and you really were open to just helping. Yeah. I think I like did data entry oh, for I'm a really sure. long time, but still I could tell that that was alleviating a lot of your work and that you had a lot going on. So it was still rewarding for me. And I got to learn from you and still be friends with oh. you for all this time. So that, it worked out that's in my favor. Um, and so can you tell me a little bit more about Girl Start? I mean, that was years ago. I won't say how many, um, but where are you now with Girl Start? And tell me a little bit more about what you do. So Girl Start was founded in 97, and um, so we're 22 years into this work, and uh, we are one of the few nonprofits focused on girls in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And you guys were like, that's a, that's a pioneering we organization. Yeah. yeah, people, when we would say STEM, we're doing STEM education, they were like, stem cell research for girls, is that <laughs> safe? And I was just like, okay, well... <laughs> Obviously, the acronym hasn't caught on, but I feel like now it yeah, is. It has more, more people know about it. Um, but I'm still describing what STEM is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we were one of the pioneers, especially. So that was in Austin uh, in 2001, probably 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. Not to give that away, mm -hmm. but no, it's fine. Um, that was when the you know big dot com boom was happening here in town and mm -hmm. everyone was, uh, you know, basically they had a ton of jobs for uh, people that could program in HTML, mm -hmm. that like archaic language. Mm -hmm. And um, the only people that knew about that were the guys that learned that in their mom's basement, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, that was the typical guy uh, job and they were white. And so these companies that were all popping up, doing fantastic, throwing like, you know, car bonuses and all these ridiculous parties, they um, they really looked around and saw that they had no women mm -hmm. and definitely no diversity. And so Girl Start, our founder, Rachel Muir, founded Girl Start when her friends were, her guy friends were getting these, you know, six-figure jobs 
with barely knowing what they were doing. They were being taught on the spot, and no women knew about this. And wow. so it was basically a bro culture. Mm-hmm. So she started Girl Start to be- break that um, trend, and companies finally started paying attention to us and realized they did need diversity, and diversity mattered. So Girl Start has been doing this work really specifically for elementary and middle middle um, school girls, fourth through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And we are very focused on making STEM fun and making their experiences that girls have really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my experiences uh, loving biology and, and uh, science all came from uh, people in my life that made it really interesting and mm-hmm. fun. What made you kind of attracted to science? I know you have a biology degree. I do. Um, and so your background is in science, but what made you want to go into that when it kind of, as you said, it's been seen as more of a kind of a stereotypically male dominate or male dominated environment? So uh, I had an anatomy teacher in high school, Mrs. Danielson, and she was such a cool teacher. She basically, um, you know, got rid of the book. And got us, you know, to really exploring outside and anatomy is one of those things. There's a lot to learn with dissections and stuff. And she made it really fun. She taught me that being brave could be rewarded, Mm -hmm. um, even if you didn't know the right answers. So one of the things she would do would, um, you know, the night before we always had a little bit of reading to do. And the next day she would uh, ask, you know, a question and have everyone who, you know, thought they knew the answer, raised their hand. And then she would have these plastic, like fun bugs and treats and prizes. And she would throw you a prize before you even said what your answer was. So anyone standing, raising their hand had a prize for even just being brave enough to like try, which is, you know, one of the things that we when I got to Girl Start, I was like, we need to reward bravery. It's something that uh, a lot of times girls like to be right before they answer. And mm-hmm. what I see with boys is they're like, oh, that's the answer. And they don't know. They're mm-hmm. nine. <laughs> they don't know the answer, but they're but they're fearless. And so teaching girls that it's okay to be to, you know, be brave enough to to have an answer, even if it's wrong, to uh, you know, take that risk and um there's not a lot, there's not a consequence to that. It just helps yeah. you get better. I love that because it feels like the world rewards bravery and not necessarily being right. Like entrepreneurship, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people fail restaurants, a lot of people fail, um, but it seems like you're rewarding the right thing early on in people's lives, especially people that are kind of left out of that getting rewarded for bravery. Yeah. I love that. And one That's of really the things good. at Girl Start is, uh, we don't have like there's a lot of times where you know in in school kids are rewarded for the right answer mm-hmm. and a lot of times uh at girl start they're making like prototypes or they're building uh sustainable cities mm-hmm. out of legos or um and they come up with some really crazy stuff yeah. uh and so it's not you know some of it it won't work, right? Yeah. But but it's not our job to say, oh, that's ridiculous. That will never work right. because maybe it will one day and maybe that idea will help them cultivate new ideas. Yeah, and kind of like getting back to, yeah, I mean, like the world rewards that, like prototype one, version one, beta, like all that stuff is so rewarded kind of in corporate America. But I, I guess you're right. We don't really talk about that a lot. As a kid, it's always like right, wrong, yes, no, um, kind of a binary response to kids and like and how we evaluate them. So I really like that a lot. And And still kids are learning math and science and engineering and physics all separately. Mm-hmm. Like they're still going to separate classes and they're all integrated, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that 
um, we teach at Girl Start is that these things are all super connected. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your programs. What do you offer to young women and girls? How do they, when they come in through your doors, kind of what is their experience? So we have year-round programming Mm -hmm. um, for girls. We do summer camps during the summer, and those are week-long day camps. Um, Over half of our camps are at no charge in communities that are high need. Um, And then, because we do have our headquarters is here in Austin, Mm -hmm. and we do have paid camps for families that can afford, but they're still like $325. Mm-hmm. It's still very affordable. Um, and then we have after school programs and that is our largest program. It's year round in schools. We have over 95, about 98 maybe, uh, after school programs. And those are one, you know, once a week at the school and it extends what girls are learning in their science class. So they're not just going to science class, but they're doing a hands-on activity Mm -hmm. um, that has to do with what they're learning. And then, um, and we have a girls conference in um, April and um, we also do that in Houston as well. That'll be in the fall. And um, we do like community STEM, Mm -hmm. like community events where they're kind of like festivals for families to bring their whole family. They're not going to leave their boys at home, right? And just bring Mm -hmm. the girls. So we welcome boys and girls and they do, uh, you know, hands-on like interactive like booths kind of like a little like fair yeah um I remember that like even when I started in 2001 as you've said um coming to Girl Start I just love so many of the activities like you have you had filmmaking in 2001 you had animation you had all these things that seemed even for me as like a, a volunteer or somebody that was older than a lot of the girls there like it all seemed kind of scary and accessible to me so I love that you were introducing young girls to to those things um that a lot of us still for adults are terrified of. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't imagine going to learn programming, but can you tell me like some of the things on your website I saw was like how to build a compass, like how to do different things. Can you tell me about like how you make it fun or how you make it relevant to, to youth? So uh, we also have a program called Destember, which is 31 days of STEM. And when you, when you mentioned how to build a compass, we do like activities like that every day. Mm-hmm. And it's like a calendar, virtual calendar that opens up an activity like that every day. That's so cool. Um, it is cool. And, you know, I think part of it is listening to what kids are into. Mm-hmm. Slime is a really big deal right now. Um, kids really want to, they want to, you know, they want the science that you get dirty. And it's, you know, kind of like this, you know aha factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also look for free, uh, free things that they can find in their pantry or maybe things that they can find outside that they, that's not going to be a, you know, expensive. Mm-hmm. So there's not a huge barrier for families to go, you know, to do the STEM that we're providing. We do these hands-on Wednesday activities, which is probably some of the things you saw. Um, we also try to show that, you know, um, just because you're doing chemistry doesn't mean you have to, or, you know, science or whatever, you don't have to wear a lab coat, right? Mm-hmm. It's not this this kind of like nerd mentality, this geek mentality, girls are not attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's turning a lot of girls off. There are some girls that are like, oh, I'm a science geek, and they're, they don't need our and help. And they own it. And they they own it. Yeah. They're fine. But uh, the girls that are not choosing STEM need to have a safe place where they don't have to identify themselves mm-hmm. as a geek or a nerd. And they can, their ideas can be uh, appreciated without that stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, unfortunately, even women and companies are attaching themselves to the geek thing and the nerd thing, and it's turning, still turning girls off. Mm-hmm. So listening to culture, listening to what girls are into, mm-hmm. um, and helping them kind of like want to choose it. Because like, even a lot of fourth graders are choosing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Their parents aren't the decider. Whereas when I was in fourth grade... 
I did what my parents wanted me to do, right? But now kids are kind of making those decisions. So mm-hmm. we have to really, our marketing efforts and our branding has to appeal to those fourth through eighth graders. Yeah, that's incredible. So we have to stay on top of what they're into. What advice would you have for parents that want their kids, boys or girls, to be involved in STEM? Like how would you say they should go about it? Uh, that's a great question. I get the, asked that all the time. Uh, one thing I would say is tinker with your kids. You know, when the curling iron breaks or the toaster oven breaks or something, just take it apart and let kids see that this, there's not a lot of parts there. It's not mm-hmm. that um, scary and things can, you know, they can be part of the, uh, the you know, the solution for that and they can think of ways to fix it. Um, another way is to be curious about mm-hmm. their world. So instead of like a lot of kids are using their devices but may not be creating stuff like apps or be creating like, uh, you know, different things on technology, but they can, and there's a ton of free, uh, tools out there that Mm -hmm. they could make their own app. So, you know, it's it's super easy, but then they start to become interested in not just using the technology, but creating the technology. Uh, one of the things I hear girls say all the time is, these computers are so stupid. And they are because mm-hmm. the people that are coding them and telling them what to do have to tell them exactly what to do. They don't think on their own. And so yeah. when a girl or a boy learns that they get to tell the computers what to do, they become empowered. I love that. Um, so you guys have been doing this kind of a long time. You were a pioneer, Girl Start was, in this movement. Um, have things gotten better for girls in STEM and in tech? Like, do you, Have you seen a big... Um, improvement or? Absolutely. I think probably in the last 10 years, maybe even like five, uh, companies now are paying attention because, you know, um, it's so transparent now what, you know, not only like what their numbers look like with diversity, but, you know, uh, you know, making sure like inclusion is a part of it, right? And that everyone has access. And so we get a lot of companies that want to not only um, so, you know, support Girl Start, but also get their employees engaged because their employees are asking for meaningful things that they care about. Mm-hmm. And diversity and inclusion is the number one reason why companies support us mm-hmm. um, because they're still dealing with a very male-dominated workforce. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of studies that have shown that diversity, not just gender diversity, but all kinds of diversity, really makes for a stronger company and... Um, makes for just better ideas, better teams. And so they that's one of the reasons why companies are starting to pay attention and um, talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I think the internet exploding, you know, people having access and seeing that, you know, there are opportunities yeah. for, and also it's, you know, easier to get the, the training. It's not kind of like this, like, lockdown like gated, you know, society anymore. Secret. Yeah. Like, you know, coding, there's free tools out there for everyone to Mm -hmm. learn. General assembly has got, you know, there's so many opportunities that kids and adults can, can go into these fields and it's not just a bro kind of like culture that they keep it tight anymore. Um, so your role is as deputy director, you do a lot of development and fundraising. Um, (laughs) could you talk to me a little bit about like what you offer to companies and how, um, how girls in tech and girls in STEM is really exciting to the companies that you're partnering with. So there's a lot of reasons why people want to give money. Um, there's a lot of reasons that um, we have to be honest with each other, the funder mm-hmm. and 
um, the fundraiser? You know, are we able to meet your expectations? Just like a relationship, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think, you know, I, I, there's a company in town that they're like, okay, we're going to fund you for 10 years. And in 10 years, your girls will be old enough to work for us. So we'll be able to track that. And I'm like, okay, that's not happening. We're mm-hmm. not, that's not our number one goal is to feed into your company. Yeah. Um, but if you want to support everything that we're doing, 28,000 girls a year, all of the work we're doing, uh, not just in Central Texas, but in Houston, Dallas, and the Bay, and Boston, and growing, get on our bus and help us do more. Mm-hmm. And like managing their expectations has been the number one thing, like to keep them happy. Mm-hmm. And they're still they're still giving fifty thousand dollars a year for ten years. So that didn't change their like gift. It just changed their expectations so that we are we're all showing up and doing what we can do, right? Yeah. Um I would say one of my favorite things about fundraising is helping companies align their giving with their um, you know, kind of what their overall like Values are. Values are for their company, right? Mm -hmm. So if, you know, a lot of companies that didn't have, you know, maybe a strategy are now looking at being more strategic with their giving Mm -hmm. um, so that they're not just talking about wanting more women in STEM or more women at their company, but they're investing in the pipeline, which is, uh, you know, starting younger. Um, What are some tools or what do you think is kind of hot right now in fundraising? Or like, what are things that are working these days that maybe have changed in the last couple of decades of this work for Girl Start? Hot and fundraising. Hot fundraising. I feel like that would be a great <laughs> I'm podcast. trying to make fundraising sexy here. <laughs> um, I love fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the You're things, so good at it, so well, I mean that helps. Y- you say I'm good at it. I didn't start off as a fundraiser and a lot of, there's no like, there wasn't, there is now I guess, mm-hmm. but there wasn't like a degree you get in fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people ended up in you know, nonprofits or uh, development offices and basically had to be trained on, you know, the spot. But um, fundraising for me is about building relationships and listening to what your donors want and providing them access to not only the work that you're doing, but the leadership. So um, I'll give you an example. One of the – so trends – um, one of the things I'm working on is our Legacy Society, mm-hmm. which uh, is basically the largest gift that anyone will make in their lifetime is probably the gift that they leave in their will. Mm-hmm. And um, Is that hard to talk to people about? Like, is that kind of a... I thought it would be really hard to mm-hmm. talk to people about the end of life, right? Mm-hmm. But when, when you talk to them about... When you show them the opportunity that they can make with that biggest gift... Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you, I'll tell you a story. Uh, one of our legacy society members, that's what we call people that are, have mm-hmm. told us, we don't even know the people that haven't told us that they've named us in their will. But, um, one of my corporate donors is a legacy society member. And I meet with her once a year and we talk about, um, the corporate gift and it's, uh, about $25,000 a year. And we were talking and she's like, okay, 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 can we wrap this up? And I was like, sure. She's like, you, we've got the donation. It's good. We're happy. Everyone's super happy with Girl Start. Now I want to tell you what me and my husband decided. And I'm sitting there in a meeting that was originally about this corporate donation, suddenly made a shift to where she said, so we have one son, 
we have, my husband and I have decided that we are giving him a third and he's taking a third and I'm taking a third to give to our favorite charities and you're my charity. That's amazing. And she's a VP at this corporation now. And that's a national, she just got promoted to a national VP. So she moved out of Austin, but it's probably going to be a six figure gift. And, um, that's just got to be so humbling. Like I, mean, I cried. You she was it, crying. Were, I was crying, yeah. and I'm just like, granted, I don't want her to die, right? right? But it but means it's an invitation so into much. something greater, and like yeah. I feel like that's what I really like about the fundraising space. Um, or being in philanthropy is that you're inviting people into things that they actually want to do, that maybe they've been working hard in corporate America and they want to, f- you know, make that meaningful at the end of their life if it, you know, or just kind of add some value onto the end. So that's yeah. really cool so that you can be there. that's something that I see, like, mm-hmm. people talking about more. Um, as Peer-to-peer is still really popular. You can raise a lot of money when one person asks their friends to help. Mm-hmm. Um, our our Send a Girl to Camp campaign, which starts April 2nd, is – uh, raises about $60,000, just people asking their friends to help give uh, mm-hmm. scholarship money. So That's those okay. are trends. I mean, also the thing that will never go away is that personal one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Can you I know take you this, to coffee? Can, and the coffees <laughs> yeah. take time, mm-hmm. but they're so important. Yeah. Um, as a funder, like you're not one of our funders, but I know that you meet with a ton of charities. Yeah. Um, and you, you have, it takes the time yeah. to do that. And it's an exchange of values and you've got to get to know each other. I like what you said about it being, it's, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like speed dating or something. Like when you're going around and trying to make sure that your values align, that y'all are going to get along, that, um, there's no surprises. Right. <laughs> and that the they way. don't, and that they trust you and that they don't, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're happy about how you're spending their money. Right. Um, I also, when I tell a donor that I'm want to, you know, have coffee with them, I'm really clear mm-hmm. that this is about their yearly gift. Yeah. So there's that, no tricks. There's no. no yeah. I'm not. I'm like, hey, they want to fund us. We want their money. Right. It's not a secret. And I've had people email me back, Julie. I'm too busy for coffee, but I, the check's in the mail. Like yeah. right now, I'm writing it. That word, that honesty has got to feel great. Um, like, well, <laughs> Be I refreshing. Just, I just saved a coffee, but I really do want that one-on-one time because yeah. I really do want to update them on the growth that they're letting us do because yeah. of their gift. Um, I feel like there's only a few of us maybe who have been in the nonprofit space, like our whole careers. <laughs> what keeps you in nonprofits? Uh, probably, you know, when one of the big secrets of nonprofits is how innovative you get to be. Mm-hmm. It's very much like you're, because you're just trying different things and you're, you have to change with the times. And so there's a lot of uh, room to be creative and like your ideas uh, to, you know, do you get to see your ideas happen? Mm-hmm. So that I love, I think I have really great ideas. Mm-hmm. I tell my staff, like, if you tell me I, I have a great idea, like that is like my number one love language. <laughs> you have great ideas, Julie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but that is like seeing my ideas become a reality mm-hmm. has, it's just my, I know that that's my motivating factor. Mm-hmm. Money is not, I could get paid double what I'm getting paid and I've been offered really great higher salary jobs, um, basically fundraising Mm -hmm. and not having any say in the brand or how we um, can be creative with our fundraising, just Mm -hmm. kind of like basically turning it out, you know, churning out the money. And I've turned them down because I know my, I know what my motivating factor is. And Mm -hmm. that's being able to be in the creative space of fundraising and not just I don't really have a lot of say in the Girl Start programs anymore because we have a fantastic staff, but I do get to – what we do with fundraising, I do get to help with that. Yeah. Um, 
And so do you have any advice for people that are looking to get into the nonprofit space? Like I said, there's few of us that are kind of lifelong people. I feel like I, I talk to people that are trying to come into it from like, I've worked a long time and I want to get into nonprofits. Like, do you still recommend people go the like straight nonprofit route from for, like study at an undergrad or things like that? Uh, you know, I think there's nothing like experience, even with school, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you study it, nothing like, I think finding someone that um, will sit with you and maybe help you job shadow or, because you, there's a lot of people that volunteer that really get stuck with really crappy jobs, mm-hmm. right? And they never, and I've been one of those volunteers. Yeah. I was at People's Community Clinic taking urine samples in. There's nothing more like gross than that. Yeah. Um, so... They didn't show me the fundraising side. They didn't show, you know, they didn't really take the time to figure out what it is I wanted. But Mm -hmm. if you find a small nonprofit and talk to the right person and ask them if there's something that they, you could help them with that they're working on Mm -hmm. instead of what you want them to work on, I think that's probably the best way. And then, I mean, entry level is if you really want to go in from the ground up, finding a nonprofit that is Mm -hmm. growing. Um, because there's a lot of nonprofits that just kind of stay small. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding a nonprofit that has uh, the potential and maybe they're either or they're part of a national, you know, you know, kind of branch or something. Yeah. Um, so what's next for Girl Start? What do y'all have cooking? Well, so wow, we have a lot going on. So we just opened a Houston office two years ago. We have a North Texas office we opened uh, just recently, and we're growing our councils in those areas and then Boston and uh, the Bay area are happening as well. And Mm -hmm. so we're fundraising on a national uh, platform now. And our next goal is to have a national PR campaign. So we're interviewing um, PR companies right now that will help us do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we've just launched the girl empowerment campaign, which is basically um, it's, Starting off as a t-shirt campaign. Which, I have the t-shirt. I love oh, and it. I and people love it. it. People love it when I wear it too. It's great. It's uh, it's fun. It's We have them from infants to adult sizes and all kinds. And what does it say? It says, this tea empowers a girl. Mm-hmm. And I meant to wear it. I didn't know. Sorry. How does it empower a girl? So, um, so 100% of the proceeds go, uh, it's $100. And 100% of the proceeds go to help one girl have free STEM supplies for one year in our after-school program. And we're reaching 2,700 girls in after school. So every one of our after-school girls is attending at no cost at her school where the schools are not paying. Um, so we're um, providing all of that for free. And that is one way to help offset this cost, but also allow someone to share that story. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook has helped us with some pro bono advertising with that, and they're continuing. Right. Um, so we're, yeah, this is, I'm hoping to have a national PR campaign. So keep tuned to see how like an, a PR campaign may uh, be able to amplify that message. So when you, when you're doing traditional fundraising, I guess like you're still thinking in terms of marketing, PR, like getting out there. Like it's really about getting eyes on the brand. Is that? Yeah, um, it's not. It's not just about your brand and mm-hmm. your reputation, which mm-hmm. is so important. Uh, Girlster has a great reputation, um, but it's also about the metrics because one of the things that people want to see is okay. 
tell me like truly is this are y'all really moving the needle in mm-hmm. STEM education? Is, you know, the ROI on this investment I'm going to give you really making a difference or mm-hmm. is it just a feel good? And so we're, in addition to fundraising, we're also measuring the impact that yeah. um, the girls, that, you know, girls starts having in the girls in our program. And we have a couple of uh, reports that are on our website that show girls and girls start are mm-hmm. choosing pre-AP classes in middle school at a higher rate, and they're also scoring higher, at least in Texas, on their science star test. So, and I mean, as good as like 10 points. And so that's crazy when you think of the girls that that don't have girl start. And so trying to um, show the metrics and also trying to raise more money to do more. Um, Do you have a story of maybe an individual girl, a student who's gone through your program and anything, how she's been impacted by the work of Girl Start, either an after-school program or camp? Yeah, um, we have a lot of girls that, if they stay in touch with us, we can share their stories. One of my favorites is Audrey Loeffler, who currently works at Samsung as a programmer, um, came to Girl Start as an artist. Wow. And uh, when she was, she was doing this beautiful anime art, and that was kind of like her niche, and she was going to go to art school. Her entree into this space, yeah. Well, she came to a coding, she learned about coding, and she was able to make a video game with her artwork in the game. And she was like, okay, I could do not only art, but I could do the programming and make tons more money. And so that shifted her idea of what she could do mm-hmm. and she could still use art into mm-hmm. what she's doing. So I love that. Cause I heard, I heard you say that you wanted to be valued for your ideas kind of early in your career. And it sounds like that's kind of that gift you're passing on to young women and girls is you're going to be valued for your ideas. Like somebody cares about what, what you are thinking and yeah. what you're feeling right now. Yeah. And you and look at these other options maybe you haven't considered. Mm-hmm. Audrey's mom wrote us an email that both of her girls went into STEM because of Girl Start. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so kind of they're they're yearly donors, and that's another thing. When you impact their family, mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to uh, have them help you impact more. Yeah. So when I look at fundraising, I'm asking families that have made an impact that we made an impact in their lives if we can have their support to make more. That's great. Um, so this is my last question. It's, it's a question I ask everybody, and it's individualized and personalized um, for everybody. But how do you define success for yourself um, at Girl Start or even personally as a fundraiser or as a director of an organization? How do you think about success and measuring yourself? That's a great question, Constance. I'd love to Only know the, best the answer you. that you have for that question. <laughs> um, for me, it's am I doing better than I was last year? Am I doing, are my ideas fresh and new? Mm-hmm. Um, I tell my team all the time that it's easy to do the same thing that mm-hmm. we did last year. It's easy to do the same campaign or keep doing it. But even though it's harder to come up with a new, fresh idea around marketing or fundraising or branding, we have to, to stay mm-hmm. relevant and it's worth it. So um, people know that I'm not going to do something because it's easy, mm-hmm. that it's hard but worth it to come yeah. up with new and fresh uh, ideas. That's what I love about you. Because, I mean, again, we went back 2001 when we started this journey oh, together. If I was still doing the same thing, I would not be happy. Yeah. I mean, my job has changed. What Girl Start looks like has changed. Yeah. And it just seems like innovating is just a huge part of your DNA as a person. But then also you kind of infuse that into Girl Start. So that's really exciting. What's your answer to that? Oh, gosh. Um, While well, I drink some of this rainwater. Richard's rainwater. Um, I think... 
For me, measuring success, I think it's something similar. It's just like, am I meeting new people? Am I getting perspectives that are different from mine? I love getting to interview people, um, whether that be, I don't know, like students on the ground in Rwanda talking to them about their scholarship they're getting or talking to nonprofit leaders here in Austin. I just love hearing from other people's perspective and kind of checking myself and like, is my work impactful? Is my work meaningful? Um, is it informed by people's um, real lived experiences? Because I think that's something I see sometimes missing a little bit in the marketing space or in the fundraising space mm-hmm. is just kind of that desire to push and push or to get that, get those, get that money, get those gains as we were talking about. Um, but to not necessarily have it be informed by the people that are impacted. And that's why I really like your work and what y'all have done. Well, at and Start. people know they can see through things, mm-hmm. right? There, I think more than ever, people are looking for authentic, not just authentic programs, but authentic fundraising, yeah. authentic stories. Yeah. I think that that is a big part of what makes you successful. Oh, thank so, you. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Richard Rainwater for keeping us hydrated today. We really appreciate it. And thank you to the Long Center for having us in your beautiful space. Um, this has been the Great Society Podcast. Thank you all very much for joining. The Great Society team includes me, Constance Dykusen, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Thank you to everyone at Founding Media for your support. Thanks for listening.